Welcome to RiskWise, a show about money for Muslims, where you'll learn how to make smarter financial decisions without selling your soul. For the full experience, join us at no cost at riskwise.com. Assalamu alaikum, Risk Nation. Welcome back to the show. My name is Ahmed Banawar, joined as always by my co host, defender of. I forget your title. Common sense, man. Come on. It's been a long time. Defender of common sense, Saeed Ali. Saeed, how are you? Good, man. Ahmed, yeah, I forget yours. That's fine. Creator Listen, of compelling emails. Yes, that's what it was. I think we should just address the hiatus head on. Sure. We took a nice extended holiday. Yep. How long has it been? Uh, I think it was like five or six weeks. <laughs> it no, was, no, no, no. It hasn't been that long. I don't think, we, did, did we release anything in December? Yeah, yeah. I, oh, okay, then fine. I, I hope so. <laughs> now I'm not so sure. No, I'm pretty sure we did. It's, it was probably about a month-long holiday. Yeah. I have a feeling this is going to be a thing now with us, is that when you give us like a little bit of time off, then we just milk it for all it's worth. <laughs> like you open the door a crack and we just we just charge right through. We, yeah, exactly. We did this in Ramadan. In fairness, we planned on taking the entire month off of Ramadan. That somehow turned into like a two-month break. <laughs> it might have been three months. No, no, it wasn't three. It was like, yeah, probably two. And then and then this time around, we said we'll take the holidays off because holidays are crazy and get family visiting and all kinds of stuff going on. That turned into a one-month break. Mm-hmm. And I blame you for all of it. What? Me? Yeah. Or the listener. I blame the listener. Really? Why would it be their fault? I really don't know. That's not I just, fair. I just don't want me to be the blame. Well, I, okay. Yeah, I can, I can get behind that. <laughs> Anyhow, we're back. Yeah, and we haven't we haven't quit RizWise. It's still here. We've still been talking about it. We've still been planning some good stuff coming up in the future, for sure. And hey, if you're complaining that we haven't been publishing, my question to you is, have you listened to every episode? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Twice? Come on. Twice? 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 Yeah, why not? Twice. <laughs> sure. No, Um. so alhamdulillah, we're glad to be back. I was yes. just complaining to Saeed earlier about how it, I know it's been a long time because my recording studio is a disaster. Yeah, and it's falling apart. I'm using the term studio loosely. It's me in the corner of my basement. <laughs> um, hey, you can't like reveal the magic, man. Come on now. No, there's no magic here. It's really just my basement. <laughs> um, so I know it's been a while, uh, and but luckily we remembered how to record, and I remembered how to intro the episode. I forgot your title. Yeah, sorry. Uh, but me hopefully too. we can do better now for the rest of it. Today, Saeed, we are, I think, closing out the topic of debt. Yes. This last one that we're going to do on debt, for now anyways. Mm-hmm. And I apologize. We were supposed to do this uh, before the break, but uh, we didn't. And that's my fault, actually. I got a little bit uh, tied up. But uh, yeah, this is the last part. Um, you know, We've talked extensively about how to pay off debt before and how to get out of debt, how to set your goals, how to set your debt-free debt date, uh, and how to get yourself out of the hole of debt that you might be in. Um, today, uh, we want to address how to stay out of debt. If you're already there, if you if you don't have debt anymore, or uh, for you to visualize the time when you no longer have debt, how do you keep that moment going and not just be a single moment in time and you're back in debt the next day? How do you stay out of it? Yeah, I think in a way it's it's kind of good that there was a bit of a gap between the previous five episodes on debt where we really covered the nuts and bolts of how to get out of debt, mm-hmm. right? You've got... You've got this debt. It's a burden. You want to get get rid of it. You want to eliminate it. You don't really know how. 
those last five episodes really provide a step-by-step action plan. If you go through those motions, you will, inshallah, get out of debt. Right. So in a way, it's good. I think this is a bit separate from from those episodes because now that you are, you know, hopefully out of debt, or at the very least, if you can see, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel, if you, right. if you know your debt-free date, then this is still relevant because you'll, you'll want to listen to this again when you get to that point. Or if you're not even in debt, if you're not in debt, then, you know, don't be... You know, don't be uh, naive in thinking that you could never get into debt. Yeah, exactly. You, could, you absolutely could, right? It's very easy. And we've covered in detail how the entire financial system and our consumer culture is really designed to get you into debt. Yeah, exactly. So don't think that you're immune to that. So I, I think it's good that this is a little bit separate and it serves as an effective capstone to the discussion on debt. And you, Said, I think have four really, really important tips for us all to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the first one is to feed yourself some humble pie. Recognize that if you're debt free today or the moment that you become uh, out of debt and become debt free, recognize that it's easy to get back into debt. Super easy. Um, if it's if the debt that you had was credit card, line of credit, you know, stuff that you had spent on stuff like we call it in the industry consumption debt. So if you're spending on stuff that you consume like, you know, goods, services, you know, not something that really builds assets or equity, just regular consumption stuff like electronics, computers, uh, makeup, handbags, that kind of stuff, right? If that is what got you into debt, even if you had some kind of major windfall today and an inheritance or something today, and that wiped out all of that consumption debt, you'd probably get back into debt tomorrow. Right, because it's yeah. it's not necessarily the debt that's the problem. It's the spending habits and spending more than we make, and you know, not putting our spending and our earning completely in line. That's a really critical distinction. I think a lot of people that get into debt, they um, naturally. I mean, this is this is kind of a, a you know, it's human nature to think this way, but they see the debt as something that happened to them. <laughs> yes. Right. Not not yes. something that they did. Not a situation that they created for themselves. Right. And that's very dangerous. Obviously, it's easier on your nafs and on your ego and on your self-esteem to think, oh, yeah, the debt happened to me. This just mm-hmm. happened. I don't you know, I don't know how, but it just happened. That's much easier on yourself. But it's also kind of, uh, you know, dishonest, dishonest. And it's 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 unfair to you. Right. Uh, because in the end, we've talked a lot about habits. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's and, and the, the consumer debt that Sage referring to credit cards, line of credits. That's all habit driven. It's all habit driven, right? And if you don't root out those habits that got you into debt in the first place, then you, you know you're going to find yourself right back to where you are. Exactly. And and you know, if if it wasn't consumption debt, like I know people who, you know, that's not where their debt came from, it wasn't from just spending on stuff, but it was let's say house, um and it was, you know, buying a bigger house and they had a bigger mortgage or uh, renovations, sorry? School. Oh, yeah, school. Well, that see you know, I'm not really too worried when people have school debt that they're going to go back into it, you know, unless they choose not to work ever and, you know, go for master's and PhD just to not be in the workforce. Right. Yeah, that's, a, that's a minority, right? I think people who have school debt, once you're out of it, I'm not too worried about people going back into school debt. But uh, debt related to consumption, debt related to a house, like I know many, many, many people who uh, bought a house, made it their life's mission to eliminate the mortgage on their first house, did that, and then bought a bigger house. 
and then they started right back in the same place and then did it again and then they wake up at 50 and all they have is a house and no actual liquid assets they're really no you know maybe probably not any better off than anybody else because they just kept you know their mission was to pay off the mortgage but then they just got a bigger house after they pay off the mortgage and then again and then again you know and they still had continuous mortgages and continuous debt payments so you know getting out of debt is definitely a struggle i'm not going to say that's the easy part because it's not but staying out of debt is that long game it requires that consistent behavior change and recognition and i think you know one of the key ways the second point that i'll make is that one of the key ways that you stay out of debt is define yourself as someone who is who doesn't have debt i am a debt free kind of person this is really interesting cuz i i have a like a would, would it be a high threshold or a low threshold? I'm not sure. But I have a, uh, I think it's a low threshold for BS. Right. Yes. <laughs> It'd be a low threshold, right? Low threshold. Um, this sounds like something I would have read in some really hokey, airy-fairy, kind of spiritual self-help book. Define yourself as whatever? Yeah. Okay. But I'm inclined to believe you. So uh, you sell me on this. You probably should have told me about this before I wrote it down. Because no, uh, I kind of picture, my, I picture myself in the morning saying, I am a debt-free person. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the incantations, the Tony Robbins method. No, 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 no. That's not what I mean. Uh, no, I'm not saying that you repeat I am a diamond or whatever a hundred times a day. Um, when you define every, we all define ourselves in certain ways. We all do. Um, you know, if if you enjoy spending time on uh, Instagram and looking at people who cook like elaborate dishes and beautiful whatever, you can define yourself as being somebody who appreciates that, who strives towards it, who cooks well, likes to cook well, like to make a different dish every day. I mean, you know, that could be how you define yourself. You could define yourself as being a, a fashionista or I don't know what the male equivalent of that is, but a fashionable male. You could define yourself in many, many different ways. And, and really what you what matters to you is how you're going to define yourself. So in this respect, and, and this is totally separate, like you can still be a debt free person and still enjoy good food and good clothes and that kind of stuff as long as you do that all within moderation. But if you define yourself as a debt free person, you just you, it's it's an internal thought process that you would believe that I'm not the kind of person who spends money recklessly and gets into debt. I'm not the kind of person who puts pays stuff with my credit card unless I already have the cash for it in my checking account. So a credit card is not credit, it's just a means of transaction, right? I could swipe my debit card, but you know, I'm I'm choosing to swipe my credit card for the points or whatever, which I already talked about, whether that's even beneficial. But you I, know, I, I think it's uh, I'm I'm a little bit convinced. I think it's a powerful statement, but it becomes really powerful when you connect it to your worldview, mm-hmm. not just about money, but about life. You know, we've talked about this. Everyone has a story about money, right? But that story about money is driven by your general worldview, your general outlook on life, your, the, the way that you carry yourself, the way that you choose to, to lead your life. That's really what drives your spending and your relationship with money. So I'll give you an example. I was reading a book the other day by a marketer, um, and he was giving some like it's it's a book about entrepreneurship, and one of the things that he said to to you know budding entrepreneurs was um, never take on debt, mm. always pay everything in cash. Why? Probably a lot of the same reasons that we're we're talking about here. Uh, I think he would agree with. But his main thing was when you save up the cash to buy something, it's so much more valuable. 
Right. For example, he gave his, like, when he started out as a copywriter, he was driving a beat-up Toyota. And, yeah, he, you know, pretty soon he had the income when he was doing well. He had the income to be able to afford a reasonable monthly payment on a better car that probably would have looked better in front of his clients, right? Yeah. <laughs> and would have been less embarrassing for him to drive around. But, no, he decided he was going to never take on debt and only pay cash for those kind of major purchases. So he saved right. up the 30 grand, 40 grand, whatever it may be, and he bought you know, a nice car. And when right. he bought it, that car was so much more valuable to him because he knew that he earned it with his hard work. Yeah. Right. And so that's, you know, that's his story. That's his worldview. That's, you know, he decided he was somebody that was only going to make those major purchases in cash. And that motivated him to work harder. Yeah. That, that's a very, very interesting point. I actually was talking to a friend the other day who uh, knows you and uh, was saying how they, they envied you and your wife for how anytime they drop by your place, it's always clean. Like it's not cluttered with stuff. There isn't like, you know, and they were complaining that their house, you know, there's boxes here and boxes there and like clothes that are unpacked and suitcases and Rubbermaid or uh, yeah, those Rubbermaid big boxes that, you know, are just cluttering their whole place. And I was like, yeah, I think that might be the point. I mean, I think the whole yeah, point is. That's why is, it takes us so long to answer the door. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> We're coming. <laughs> we need to climb over all our stuff. No, like if you define yourself as somebody that, you know, has the latest of everything every year all the time, you're going to accumulate a lot of stuff and you're going to spend a lot of money. If you define yourself as somebody who just doesn't need to fall into that consumerist trap of always buying the latest everything, the latest fashion, the latest electronic every single time, then you're not going to have as much stuff, and you're not going to be climbing over these Rubbermaid boxes to try and get to your front door. Oh, that, that's a great example, right? You, you use the fashionista example. A lot yeah. of people define themselves, not just women, but no, define themselves as always having like the latest Trend, and the yeah. greatest clothes, yeah. right? The best shoes, the best shirts, whatever, right? The best handbags. Yeah. And if that's how you define yourself, and if, if you become known to be that person, then you got to keep up. Right. You got to keep up to that reputation. Exactly. And that requires going out and buying the latest stuff all the time. Yeah. Right. Like I, I know some people who who define themselves that way but actually make a lot of their own stuff. And that I think is pretty cool. But yeah, if you're going to go out and pay retail price for everything that's new released on the new on the front of uh the rack, then yeah, I think that's that's difficult. But yeah, if if you define yourself as being the kind of person who does not spend money before they earned it. Like that I think is very powerful. I think that's how many people get into consumption debt. They spend money because it's available on their credit card, not because they've actually earned the money that's going to pay for it. So start there. If you want to stay out of debt, define yourself as somebody who does not spend money until they've earned it. And that'll go a long way. I think I think the whole minimalism movement is really driven by by this kind of thinking. That a lot of you know minimalism is this is this idea of living with less. Right. Really, what you know, as Muslims, it's what we would call zuhud, right? Yes. Or like asceticism or, or doing without. Yeah. Um, but it's taken on, uh, uh, you know, it, it's gotten quite big, I think, in, in like you know mainstream circles. If you Google minimalism, you'll find all kinds of blogs, and there's like you know, there's there's sub communities within that. There's right. a tiny house movement, which Said and I we've talked about. I don't know if yeah. we've talked about it in the show, but no. the, the tiny house movement is is this idea of building like a, a, a tiny house that is literally a hundred to two hundred square feet, 
Yeah, and there's people do this. It's a thing. There's blogs out there about it that show you how to do it. There's documentaries about it. And people have embraced this tiny house living. Right. Um, and that's, that's just part of the minimalist movement. But I think what's really driving that movement is that people got so fed up with having so much stuff. And right. they realized that they were literally working just to maintain this stuff. Mm-hmm. They were taking on jobs that maybe they didn't like or they were taking, you know, they're maybe, sticking with a job that they hated for sure. Right. Maybe they would have liked to do something something else, but it required a pay cut, which would then make them lose stuff. So then yes. they stuck with that job or they got, you know, they lost their jobs, for example. And and then what they realized was that they they had all this stuff that made that crisis more of a crisis than it needed to be mm-hmm. because they have a mortgage or whatever. Right. Right. And those experiences, you know, they they they. They forced those people to really think hard about what they valued, whether all the stuff was important or whether there were other things that were more important. And right. then they define themselves as the kind of people who don't need a lot of stuff. Yeah. And they embrace this minimalist movement. And now it's now it's a really big thing. And, and it's only going to get bigger. Yeah. I hope so. I mean, I think that we, you know, this is a rant for another day, but I think, you know, consumption has gone to a completely ridiculous level where we are in 2016. I don't want to rant on that too much, but uh, yeah, I hope you're right. And I hope that we, and, and, and what I would advocate for here on RiskWise is that as, as Muslims, you know, we have a lot of priorities in the world um, and, and after this world. So spending money and consumption and latest and greatest and that kind of stuff probably shouldn't be up there. Um, but you know, that's probably a, a podcast for another day. Can I move on to point three? I like it when you get preachy though. I know. Like, yeah, I'm just, I'm looking at the time. I'm looking at the time. I'm like, mm, we're only halfway done. <laughs> yeah, go for it. So point three. Okay. So everything that we've talked about is basically you taking responsibility for your spending and the amount of money that you can choose to spend and not spend. But sometimes you come into debt that's not necessarily your spending fault. It's just lack of preparation, right? It's still kind of your responsibility. No, sorry. It's still completely your responsibility to stay out of debt, but it's not necessarily you don't cause that debt every single time. For example, emergencies, you know, uh, big expenses that are irregular that you kind of haven't in the past prepared for, um, you like know, my, things like my brakes and tires story. Yeah. Right. Months ago. Yeah. Right. Uh, repairs to the car that you you know you should know if you own a car you should know that you have to maintain it and that, that's going to require some some outlay of cash every once in a while and you should know that because you have a car you should be putting a little bit of money aside for repairs so you're not you know your your whole uh, life and world and finances are not thrown off. I'm the kind of person who believes that cars should maintain themselves. Okay, explain that. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> it was a throwback to your point number two. Let's keep going. Ignore me. Um, so, okay. What I think you should do and what, what really, if you truly want to stay out of debt and not just create a single moment in time of being debt free and then you're back into it later on, if you really want to stay out of debt permanently, then you've got to create some cash. You've got to build some cushion, whether you call it an emergency fund or a cash cushion or whatever you want to label it. You do need definitely an emergency fund. How much you need to, once the, you know, the debt is gone, we need to be building cash for emergencies that if something bad happens that you're un, that's completely out of the blue, completely unexpected, that we have cash for it. We're not going into debt and dipping into credit cards and lines of credits and getting into old habits of building up debt. We need to create a cash cushion. 
So emergency funds, you know, wisdom, common wisdom says it should be at minimum three months of your expenses at maximum, not maximum, you can, you can go as much as you want, but I, I generally recommend for entrepreneurs to have uh, about a 12-month cash cushion for expenses in case you have a really bad year. Yeah, uh, the, you're the, not. This guy, this guy, John Carlton, the guy that I was referring to earlier, he's a copywriter. That's his name, yeah. John Carlton. And the book is, it's actually a really good book. I think I've recommended it to you before. It's called Simple Success Secrets. Okay. It's a little bit unorthodox. So you have to kind of get used to his style. But once you get over it, like the way he writes and the way he communicates, it's, it's actually really good. Okay. Um, so he recommends, like you said, 12 months. He's an entrepreneur. So to, to other entrepreneurs, he recommends a 12-month cash cushion. Yeah. He says, put it in cash in 20s and 100s in a safety deposit box. Oh, okay, that's dumb. <laughs> I was like, that's so random. <laughs> why? He didn't explain why. He just said, don't yeah. invest it, don't put it in the bank, put it in cash, in a box. Okay, that's dumb. Um, yeah, I, I agree with everything up until the safety deposit box. And, and like he specified the no- denominations as well, 20s and 100s. <laughs> that just doesn't, I don't understand that. You're not going to read does, the book now, are you? Sorry? You're not going to read the book now. No. I mean, I don't know what the cash part is all about, but having 12 months of a cash cushion for an entrepreneur makes a lot of sense if you if you run your own business. Uh, and, and I know people who are trying to become entrepreneurs and, you know, whether they're doing it part-time or full-time. And one of the big advices that I give them is that before you quit your job and run this business, even though the business is, seems to be able to pay your bills today, because one, one of the traps that new business owners get into is that they they work at a job, hate it, Start a side business. Side business grows. Side businesses is enough that to pay their minimum expenses. They quit their job. Great. Sounds like a good plan so far. But then the side business, which is now their full-time business, gets into a hiccup. You know, income isn't as good or as normal as it was before or as they predicted. And now they're dipping into credit cards to pay bills. I just realized why he said that. Mm. Oh, at least I have a theory on it. And it makes okay. sense. Okay. So, I mean, everything you just said is true. Transitioning out of employment into self-employment or, or entrepreneurship is, is, you know, tricky. Yeah. <laughs> tricky is putting it lightly. Right. Um, but I think the danger in having 12 months worth of expenses in the bank, if you're an entrepreneur, is that that gives you a false sense of security. Oh, I, there's a solution for that, though. What's that? You'd put it in a different bank. You could still take it out. You can, but you've got to now admit to your, and you can still take it out of the safety deposit box too. Well, I think that's why he said that, because that's you know, to go to the bank, into the safety, you know, request access to the box, go into the back there, go through the vault, open up the box, go in that little cubicle, close the curtain, <laughs> right, and then take out a wad of cash. That's a lot of work, and that's really admitting that I'm dipping into my safety fund now. Yeah. Much more than just transferring from one bank account to the other. I, I mean, I'm, just, I can, I'm theorizing. I think that's what he was getting at, and it makes sense to me now. Yeah, I mean, that's. I think that's a really, really un- unnecessarily expensive barrier because safety deposit boxes you have to pay for. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, the solution that I have to that is that I tell people to you know put it in a different bank account somewhere else. It's a, you know an online account that doesn't have any fees, um, and you know you you don't see it when you log into your normal bank. That it exists, and that way, when you do pull it out, like you know, you've pulled out of this safety fund. But yeah, so you have your cash cushion for your emergencies. You have it for your irregular expenses that we talked about before. You know, you know, let's say your car insurance is due every three months, or some bill is due every six months, or your property tax or whatever it is. You save up for it every month. If it's a bill that's due every three months, 
and you divide that bill by three, and you save up that amount every month, so that when that bill is due, you already have the cash for it. It's not like it's a difficult month because that bill is due and I have an extra expense. It's not how we should be working on this. You, you take one third of it every month, that way every month is normalized. Same deal if you have an annual expense, a semi-annual expense, you just divide it by six or 12 and you save for it every month so that these irregular expenses don't throw you off. When these, let's say, let's say an ir- irregular expense occurs in February, February shouldn't be a difficult month. It shouldn't be a month where you have to spend less or you get into a little bit of debt. Nothing should go different in, in February because you have this $600 expense that didn't happen in January or December. January and December, you should have been putting a little bit away each month so that when February runs and you got to pay that expense, it's no big deal. Like nothing is changed. Nothing is different. So that's what we should be working towards for irregular expenses. And yeah, if you want to have some spontaneous fun and you want to have a little bit of cash cushion, I tell people never to dip into their emergency fund for a vacation. You should have that separately saved. Because no, that's what credit cards are for, right? Oh, God. Lines <laughs> of credits. And that's the thing, right? People get worked, burnt out, frustrated or whatever, and they feel like they need to take a vacation or a road trip or, you know, night out or whatever. And uh, they just don't think about the consequence of, of that spending until later. And then, you know, you just added stress to your next day, right? You haven't actually reduced your stress. You've just delayed it and added and compounded it. So put a little bit aside for some spontaneity. I don't know what this is for. It's going to be for some fun. We haven't planned it yet, or maybe you will, but let's put some money away for that. That's how we stay out of debt. And then then in the last part, part point number four is, you know, start building equity. Like debt is reducing negative, like taking Mm. bad stuff out of your life. Now we need to increase positive stuff. Now we need to build equity. Now we need to build assets, build investments. I mean, getting out of debt is just a single moment in time. But it's the beginning of a new race and a new challenge and a new, I wouldn't say obstacle because obstacles are things that you have to face that are, that are possibly negative. But building equity, like building a lifelong, sustainable, passive income stream is well, one of the big goals that I think everybody should have. Everybody on the planet should have. This is, the this is really important. Uh, honestly, the, the probably the most powerful thing that you've said over the course of this entire, like, the life of this podcast, risk-wise overall, the, the, the one statement that's had the most effect on me personally okay. is in one episode you said something to the effect of every dollar you spend today is borrowing from your future self. Right. That that really hit me because who thinks of it that way? Yeah. You know, if I'm going to go and buy something, I'm going to go and buy something. It's my money. I can do whatever I want with it. That's the story I tell myself. That's my worldview, right? I have it. I can spend it. Why not? I have it. I can spend it. But you just flip that worldview on its head because every dollar I spend today, if I'm not investing it, if I'm spending it on something and not investing it, then I'm actually borrowing it from my future self. It's a mm-hmm. dollar less. Well, it's more than a dollar less than I can spend in the future when potentially I don't have an income and I need the money. Mm-hmm. And that could be multiple reasons. And so that's, I think that's a really, really powerful way to motivate yourself to get and stay out of debt is that when you start building equity and you have an investment portfolio and you're seeing that money grow, then getting into debt, the cost of that becomes a lot more tangible. Not only are you getting into debt and bearing the burdens that come with that on its own, but the opportunity cost becomes very real because you can see, you know, your equity portfolio, your investment portfolio growing and you know that every dollar you spend to get further into debt is a dollar you're not putting towards your future. 
Exactly. That is huge change in life, uh, in worldview for a lot of young, new investors, even older people who have never been investors before. That's a huge shift in worldview, recognizing that, oh, I, I spent, you know, a hundred bucks on th this thing. If I didn't buy that thing and I invested it instead, it would have grown. That is a huge shift in worldview. And one thing that I think, and this is the part where I think Muslims, young and, and old Muslims, older Muslims need to, we need to get past this getting out of debt or being debt free is the ultimate goal in life. Mm. It's not. Yeah. It is just the beginning. Being out of debt or having sustainable pay down of your debt, that is just the very, very beginning. If you turn 65, and I've had this scenario happen actually uh, a few weeks ago, new client came in. They, you know, are retiring out because of health reasons. They paid down their mortgage, but that's it. They have a house. Great. You don't have, no longer have an income because you cannot, you know, physically able to do any more work. So how are you buying groceries tomorrow? You have a paid off house. Great. What do you have to do now? Guess what they had to do? Debt. No. House. The other, the other option. Sell it. Oh, uh, yeah. Spent a whole lifetime paying off this place, proud of it, but they have to sell it. Have to. There's no other option other than debt, which is not an option that they want to do. I think societally and culturally, we, you know, we live in a time where debt is so commonplace that that it's 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 understandable that people feel a sense of accomplishment when they don't have debt because it's just so normal. The average household debt is, I don't even know, it's in, it's in what tens of thousands of dollars, isn't it? Uh, in Canada, I know the stat is about 170000 In the U.S., I think it's close to about the same, if not a little bit, a little bit less. $170,000 in household debt? Yeah. Well, that, that includes... That includes uh, yes. Consumer debt's much lower, I hope. Consumer, yeah, consumption debt is less than thirty grand. So it's normal. It's commonplace, right? So when, when you're zero and the average household is 170000 in debt, then it's natural to feel a sense of accomplishment. But right. the reality is, and what Saeed's trying to communicate here, is that Really, you're just you're neutral. You're treading water. You're not drowning. Yeah. You're treading water, but you're not really going anywhere either. Right. We haven't built anything. Yeah. We got rid of all these weights and all these bad things, which is good. I mean, I'm not going to diminish how good that is, but I think in our community we overemphasize how important it is to be out of debt, and then we stop there. Yes. And I think this it's whole discussion on equity and, and building your investment portfolio and how that's motivating, that, that really only is motivating, truth be told, if you have a, a really clear goal identified and you know why you're doing it. And go, right. go back to our episodes on setting goals and identifying your why and your intention, because that's critical, because the portfolio itself and that number itself is not motivating in and of right. itself, right? right? It's why you're investing, why you're saving, why you're putting that money aside, what you're building towards, whether it be retirement, whether it be education for your kids, whether it be Hajj, whether it be whatever, right? right. You've, got to, you've got to make sure you're clear on what those goals are so that you know when you spend money that you don't need to spend or you go further into debt, you know what you're trading away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, man. All right. Have we beat the horse dead yet? That's all I got, bro. Okay. Well, should we talk about the course? Um, well, I think I think that's what we just did, and I think we should leave it there for now. No, no, the course. I know we should leave it there. So you don't want to talk about it. <laughs> it's, it's, we just we just tease it a little bit, you know. This is what we, kind of what we're working on. 
Not to say that we actually were doing this in our holiday, in our break. We didn't. I figure if um, we talk about it on air, then we'll, ha- we'll have to do it. That's my that's my logic. Yeah, and that's what I'm afraid of. So, sure, let's do it. Okay, so, so we're working on a course, uh, or, you know, courses, I think. An academy of courses is a better way to, 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 yeah. to describe it. Yeah. Um, alhamdulillah, I think that the podcast so far has been beneficial to a lot of people. And we mm-hmm. get a lot of good comments, a lot of good feedback. And, um, and we're, you know, we're happy and we're grateful that it's been, it's been useful to people. But I think it's also become very clear that a podcast is limited in what it can achieve, Mm -hmm. right? It's a podcast, it's a very casual medium, and there's a good number of people um, who have told us that they would like to take a step further. Yeah, Um, make it actionable, put it into work. They would like something more concrete, more actionable, more thorough that really kind of holds their hand and guides them through how to do a lot of these things. Getting out of debt being one thing, building a budget, setting goals, making an intention, um, saving for Hajj, you name it, right? There's all kinds of, of, of issues and, and objectives that people have. And and a lot of you want something more concrete to help you do that. So we're working on something. We're going to build something, inshallah, um, inshallah. That, will, um, that will be kind of next level of education, um, a, a more kind of involved educational experience than the podcast would be. Right. That'll help you, you know, if the podcast wasn't good enough, then this, inshallah, should really help you take the next step forward. Yes, absolutely. Looking forward to it. Inshallah. If you're not already on our email list, head on over to riskwise.com. That's R-I-Z-Q-W-I-S-E.com. That's where we send out the latest episodes. If you're on iTunes, or even if you're not, go on iTunes and subscribe to RiskWise there. Um, And if you like the show, drop us a rating and a review, and we would very much appreciate it. Very much. Saeed, until next time, hopefully next week and not four weeks or five weeks or six weeks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Next week, inshallah, we'll be here. Inshallah. Oh, next week we have the interview, actually. That's going out. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, Rayhan. that's going to be good. Yeah. That's going to be I'm looking forward to that. Inshallah. And then we'll be back the week after. Awesome. Okay. Take care. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum.